0: Do you want younger-looking skin? ProMD Health is open and offering your first 20 units of Botox or Dysport equivalent for only $149 in Baltimore, Annapolis, Columbia, Arlington, and D.C. ProMD Health offers the tools and experience to give you natural, soft results to look and feel
1: younger. Non-surgical procedures delivered by the professionals at ProMD Health can help you look and feel younger today. Schedule your complimentary aesthetic consultation today. Call ProMD Health at
0: 410-449-2060 or visit them online at ProMDHealth.com. Where there's outdoor work to be done, there's Echo Outdoor Power Equipment. Echo products deliver the reliability, quality, and performance you need to tackle everything on your outdoor to-do list. From chainsaws and string trimmers to leaf blowers and edgers, Echo's full range of pro-grade outdoor power tools are built to meet the demands of outdoor work. Visit us today, your local Echo dealer. Learn more at echo-usa.com. Echo. Power on and on. we uh we
3: may not be alone this is the garden of doom welcome
2: everyone into garden of doom and this week we have with us george mitrovic who is the author of about 110 books he's lost count he's he published four in one day recently um he has volumes upon volumes of books. I'm sitting here looking at him. Obviously, this audio, so you can't see what I see, but he's got bookshelves and one of the the bookshelf cabinets, two of the shelves are his books. Um, and we're certainly going to talk about those. He is a chronicler of cryptid and bigfoot appearances and all sorts of phenomena and anything that you might call paranormal uh he, He's got a chronicle. He has data. We were talking in the pre show about all sorts of things quantum resonance, uh, the pyramids. And it, 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 we're not going to get to all of that today. Uh, I don't think so anyway. But first of all, George Mitrovich, thank you so much for coming to Garden of Doom. How are you today?
4: I'm very well. Thank you, Jeff. It's a pleasure to meet you. I had a lovely time chatting earlier and I thought you were about to turn the recording off and go but no you've got the, the cojones
2: to continue which is great. Oh yeah those, those I got those I got no problem there um, so for the folks who don't know about you and, and beyond what I said just give your you know your brief bio
4: Okay I'm an Australian author most people don't pick that yeah. from down under I was raised on a country farm on the river flats north of a town called Wagga Wagga I'd a an old, it's almost sounds southern seven, an old country weatherboard homestead with a big veranda out the front that used to get flooded every few years, and we raised hogs.
5: Okay.
2: And had a few resources. That, a few then, now that's interesting, uh, but that's probably for another show also. Um, all right, so what inspired you and got you into researching the paranormal?
4: Oh, God, this is a long story. Somebody actually asked me to start writing an autobiography. Um, when I was little, I was run over by a car, a Volkswagen. I hate Volkswagens. I was one and a quarter, and I was lost for use of my hands and legs. And I thought I was going to be a vegetable, so all I could do was learn to read. So my parents bought me things like the Encyclopedia Britannica when I was four.
2: Oh, yeah. Light reading. And I read it. And then I found
4: out or heard that the grand the Great Aswan Dam was being built in Egypt. And for a five-year-old, it was a little strange. Just, no, eight year, no, five years old, They was planning to do it then. It wasn't built till I was eight. And uh, I started wailing and crying at the piano because I gained the movement of my hands. And I used to compose things on the piano. We were discussing that earlier. and. Uh, and wailing at the same time because of the drowning of Abbey Simbel. and little turds I knew in the neighborhood had no idea what I was talking about, which is really annoying. It's almost a story in my life. <laughs> and Anyway, that got me interested into archaeology and I got my copy of The Mountains of Pharaoh by Leonard Cottrell. Great book. Uh, the pyramids, the Valley of the Kings, everything. I've got all of his books somewhere in here. You seen part of the library sitting here. Right. It's nine foot floor to ceiling high, and it continues around me. It's a big room. You
2: have those um, uh, ladders on wheels?
4: I had one, I threw it out. <laughs> <laughs> They're useless. I use a step stool,
5: okay. I'm reasonably tall. And uh, anyway, it continued,
4: and. I read The Mountains of Thera, and I said, I need more data on this. I liked dinosaurs at the same time as every six and seven year old boy does. And I came across the Allende, the Allende Letters, which is about the Philadelphia Experiment by Morris K. Jessen. Uh published 19... I think it was originally a 57 reprint. I read it in... Sorry, my memory's starting to go, unfortunately. I read it when i was seven and i thought now this stuff is interesting
2: that was interesting
4: for a seven-year-old it was more of an Once once again the little turds at school had no interest what nah. shit. <laughs> all they wanted to do was race around a paddock with a ball or hug each other and whatever else they were planning to do and so i thought i'm going to read more of this my parents fortunately We were quite affluent, but we still lived in this old weatherboard thing.
5: Right. And they handed to me because I'm still pretty crippled. I taught myself to speak, I taught myself to enunciate,
4: to do everything better than you could do. And it sort of continues. And I ran into the books of Harold Wilkins on archaeology and UFOs and things like that. And I've got the first editions here. Wow. Uh, Harold Wilkins's books and Amy Michelle's books. And I'm a book devourer. She had nothing much else to do apart from read books. And I'd already had a thorough basis for the Encyclopedia Britannica on natural geology and shit like that. and. I had the books of Sheru, Michel Wilkins, Andrew Thomas, which is archaeology that isn't accepted. Uh, the French versions of Oslo Surat, of the, of the giants in South America. And then we got uh, the South American books, which I had to read in French or English.
2: I couldn't read the Spanish ones. When I was eight. Well, yeah, you can give yourself a pass on that. But yes, the the Giants of South America, that, that's fascinating stuff. I mean, the, the Paracas skulls, the whole thing.
4: Yes, and then we got to the Giants of North America. Uh-huh. And they said, ah-ha, you're talking about Giants, you're a wanker, forget it. Um, but look at the height of the Adina people, six and a half to seven feet. Now, we don't say, oh, they're Giants. No, no that's the height of a basketball player these days. Excuse me, people. We're talking about observers of the 16th, 17th, and 18th century. Average height, 4 foot 8 to 4 foot 10. You meet somebody who's 6 foot 5 to 7 foot or 7 foot 6 high, it's a giant. Right. Perceptions. As these explorers started going over what was rapidly becoming a wilderness, and that's another area of concern that I've argued with people over the previously organized farmlands of North America, with their settlements, their massive roads and things like that. that you have a book on archaeology of North America, which is, I wrote, with maps county by county. I like to find to make it easier for people to get to. Mm-hmm. Go to your town. Go to your county. You go have a look there. See what's in your yard. I'm not writing the encyclopedia on it. I'm giving you the guidelines and the rough notes. You continue doing it if you want to.
5: Yeah, well, and is we tested it together.
4: magnificent mounds and pyramids and highways that weren't in a wilderness. The wilderness is a 17th century invention after the Amerindian inhabitants were mainly wiped out by plagues and illnesses. The wilderness took over the great American wilderness in the East Coast. It grew from existing forest land. It wasn't always
5: like that. When you look at places like Cahokia on the Mississippi, it had thousands of people.
4: The base of its main pyramid is bigger than the main is the main pyramid of Giza. It's amazing. Made out of mud mud bricks and it wasn't the only city in north america i I don't even like i resent i hate the term mount builders these are north american pyramid builders we have an obligation to respect their culture their archaeology and everything in it i do get heated that's okay that's why i write about it that's why i read about it and that's just my little facet so here's this Eight year old kid by now. <laughs> and Bell is now drowned, unfortunately, but they did raise the temple to the heights. They did organize it so that on the equinox, solstice, equinox, on the solstice, the sun does go right through the central chamber. It still hits the small statue at the end of it. Now, that was dedication to archaeology. Absolutely. There's so many things. And of course, my mind's also thinking of UFOs. Are there creatures from outer space?
1: You know,
4: what's happening here? And I'm seeing this multiverse that the other kids don't even notice.
0: Where there's outdoor work to be done, there's Echo Outdoor Power Equipment. Echo products deliver the reliability, quality, and performance you need to tackle everything on your outdoor to-do list. From chainsaws and string trimmers to leaf blowers and edgers, Echo's full range of pro-grade outdoor power tools are built to meet the demands of outdoor work. Visit us today, your local Echo dealer. Learn more at echo-usa.com. Echo. Power on and on.
4: It's very, very frustrating. So I just get back to my books. I read more, I learn more and my library is growing and I'm absorbing the bloody lot of it, whether it's right or wrong. You know, stories of Bigfoot, you know, I like Bigfoot. I find Bigfoot quite
5: interesting. It's funny, you know, I've been interviewed about Bigfoot, as you would know, lots of times. What is
4: Bigfoot? What is Bigfoot? It's this big thing that lives in the forest. Ah! It comes out and it shouts and it screams and it yells and it throws rocks at you and occasionally it rips somebody apart. Or might not. <laughs> well, they're gentle, placid creatures that live on vegetables and herbs in the forest, depending on the viewpoint. I have a few points to make about that. And Bigfoot is worldwide. we got them everywhere. I just finished a book on Yowies. That's the Australian name for Bigfoot, or well, one of them. There are lots of them. Yawis. Oddly enough, there are Yaois, but a certain name mentioned in Maryland. From sightings from the early 19th century. Yes, they're also called Yowies. Interesting. Synchronicity? Well, were they cross-cultural voyages between Australia and Maryland? No, probably synchronicity. Good, but doesn't matter. We have these big furry things and the advantage of collating thousands or tens of thousands of data is you see patterns nobody else sees and you have to visually see them. You can't draw graphs, you can't do anything, you have to read each note. One of the most common events with Bigfoot sightings is Randy and Andy and young fellas have had possibly a few beers, not many. That's enough to be comfortable It's 3 o'clock on a Saturday morning. They're driving along and they've got to have a leak, as we would say in Australia. They need to relieve themselves, which has a totally different meaning in Australia. This is an adult program, so we'll (laughs) leave that meaning out of it. That's right. Okay. They're whittling. We don't know if Americans say whittling, but they're whittling or urinating on the side of the road. As you do when you're yucking with a mate and you're having a leak after a few beers. Next second, something is screaming, yelling, jumping up and down, throwing crap at them. Somebody is not happy. And the boys quickly get back to their vehicle and they're off. And you say, well, what's so important about that sighting? What's important about that sighting is it is pure anthropoid ape behavior. What people don't look at, which is the obvious, which is you were marking their territory. Right, And if you're marking my territory, I'm going to be mighty pissed off. Because it's my territory. I'm a Bigfoot here, not you little creatures. I am, I am, I am. It is so obvious, and I talked to Bigfoot interviewers and researchers, and I said, why hasn't anyone ever bothered to mention this? Oh, it really shouldn't. It's not a subject. It's the most obvious subject in the field of Bigfoot. Then there's a second field. Once again, Andy and Randy, but Andy's feeling Randy, but he's not with Randy. Right. He's with his girlfriend, Charlene. They're studying for their SATs in the 57 Chevy or whatever, in the middle of the
5: woods, away from home. The next second, somebody spots somebody looking in.
4: Hello? It's a large anthropoid ape, or a Bigfoot. And he's doing what anthropoid apes love doing. When you go to the zoo and somebody is having sex in the zoo, the rest watch. Actually, in some non-children's programs, the rest join in. But <laughs> that's the way of apes, especially amongst apes like the bonobos. That's all they do all the time. They're the most unwarlike simian on earth. They're not like chimps, which are vicious, cannibalistic, and carnivorous. The bonobos are almost, you know, they should be, I don't know what they should be doing, or even wiped out by the chimps. The, the, you expect to see them somewhere in California singing Kumbaya and
2: covered in Indian bedspreads. They're also matriarchal. They Their alpha is, is usually a female. Yes, in the bonobos. So, okay.
4: And you know, much as people didn't like that theory, they couldn't really decry but said, no, Bigfoot's different. How hey, is Bigfoot different? He hides in the trees. He knows enough about us. I'm uh, not using sexist language. He hides in the trees because he doesn't want to be found by us because we're going to probably shoot him. The other thing, is it, all these notes, all these people who are seeing them are hunters. They're out
5: in the woods. they got their guns. They're ready to hunt and shoot and blast anything out of existence. There's barely a handful that have actually hit one. Right. We don't have Bigfoot hanging on the wall of your shed or in your man cave or in your den. No. The rare times that Bigfoot
4: has been reported dead, the person who shot it has fled the scene so quick it's amazing because they think it's a human, they don't want to be involved, they're going. But that explains, let's say the vast majority of Bigfoot sightings.
5: Then we have a small problem. Okay, two small problems. One is we have Amerindian legends
4: or native legends of every continent on earth except for Antarctica. The penguins don't talk. You can't interview. Not yet. Not yet. Or maybe they don't want to talk to us anyway.
5: Sure. We have
4: legends of people who come from other dimensions, from the dream state. The Wendigo, things like that. Yeah, they look like Bigfoot Bigfoot as well. And they're demons and they can attack people. And Okay. Maybe there's a small minority that come in from other dimensions or misinterpreted from here, from coming from other dimensions. And we think, okay, that's almost a, do we believe it or do we not believe it? But enough people believe in it. Maybe there's something to it. Yeah. It's a shadow world, like the shadow world that Bigfoot is supposed to come from. Except I don't believe most Bigfoot come from it. And then we got the third problem.
5: It's only a little problem. Actually, October nineteen fifty four in France
4: about ten times and France at the time if you look at the Michel's work on the great UFO flap of nineteen fifty four in France, it was enormous, eventually took over most of the Mediterranean region, heading east, generally the sightings. I love maps. Adore maps. Sightings have areas where they're going to and from. A bit like Bigfoot moving up and down on the continental United States, but that's another story. I can't remember the French villager at the time he's riding his bicycle along. I don't know where he had the the onions draped over his shoulder, like the typical caricature of Frenchmen of that period. And this great light came out of the heaven, to quote the Jensen's. (laughs) the door opened the ramp came down
5: and we're expecting expecting what? Sacre bleu what is it? Down the ramp comes a four foot six inch tall hairy humanoid a little foot
4: there were ten more sightings like that in October 1954 of little furry beings
5: coming out of landed UFOs that then took off again. Excuse me, we're really, really strange here. Not Mm -hmm. as strange as a fact that hairy humanoids
4: from UFOs were first reported in the 1896-1897
5: airship flap, airship flap, that started on the west coast of North America not in 97, but in October,
4: 1896. And this was an amazing period where people were seeing, excuse me, people were seeing the most brilliant array of dirigibles and airships, some with propellers on the front, some with propellers on the back, some with propellers on both ends. And, Balloons of all types of people everywhere, and they dropped quarters down to buy groceries. Excuse me. These people, these reports were written in newspapers as these phenomena were moving from British Columbia, Oregon, Washington state into California. Then they started sweeping across the Midwest, peaking in April 1897. By June 1897, they'd already gone from the area of Chicago, then got south through Texas. Oddly enough, the site of the Aurora airship crash, where there was an apparent burial. I've seen a photo of the apparent headstone for the apparent burial that was disappeared sometime in the 1950s, 60s, but it was photographed a few times, as was the airships, as were the airships, over Chicago and other places. So these are photographs of things. The problem is human technology at the time didn't have any airships. Ah. The zeppelins didn't come out until 1902. They flew one kilometer and not very well and not very high. These, let's add a little wobbly bit to this here. I've found with a lot of UFO sightings and things like that is that the technology always seems to be one step ahead of the current consensus of what the technology should be. In that period, we have all these amazing airships suddenly appearing and they're everywhere. Oh, oddly enough, some with furry inhabitants. Yes, that's where the point I was heading to, but we'll go past that now. We don't need to stay in the same spot, because now we're going on to the evolution of UFO sightings. By nineteen, late 1930s, when there were no rockets around, they're you know, already seeing ghost rockets in Scandinavia. By the late 40s there they're ghost rockets all over the place. By the late seventies and eighties, we're looking at delta wing UFOs, giant triangles. Yeah. yeah the Hudson Valley by the nineties was a regular traffic zone. You know, it's wonder it didn't have highway patrol stopping them. The evolution a phenomenon continues. Desmond Leslie in the early 60s linked ufology to demonology.
0: Where there's outdoor work to be done, there's Echo Outdoor Power Equipment. Echo products deliver the reliability, quality, and performance you need to tackle everything on your outdoor to-do list. From chainsaws and string trimmers to leaf blowers and edgers, Echo's full range of pro-grade outdoor power tools are built to meet the demands of outdoor work. Visit us today, your local Echo dealer. Learn more at echo-usa.com. Echo. Power on and on. Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof, not how you would have done that. You know
3: sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA, get a quote today.
4: These people are tricking us. These people are testing It's a bit like Loki. If you want to discuss Nordic mythology and I have written books. There's a big fat 700-page monster up there on the bookcase of strange mythology. And you'll see all these legends in the back of it from every culture, well, almost every culture on Earth. I can only do so much. I'm only
5: one human. Right. And I still work for a living. And you'll find that they're the same legends worldwide. you find once you translate the names, they're the same
4: people yeah. world. Once you start looking at the histories, they're the same periods of histories, the same golden age, silver age, iron age, war of the God's end. Everyone has a Ragnarok. But why are they all the same? Are we looking at cross cultural diffusion worldwide? Three to five thousand years ago? Probably. Everyone escaped from everywhere with their own snippet of what happened. Right. consequently religions and politics came along and garbled it all up for us so they could assume cultural dominance so what wake up Jeff wake up um,
2: so where have we discussed we went from Bigfoot we went from Bigfoot to UFOs, to UFOs. In, in there I got a hint that, that somebody that probably governments were testing vehicles that people mistook as UFOs and as the the testing, not in the not yet widely known to the general public, took them to be UFOs, and then five or six years later, you know, then you know it it, it, be, it became revealed, and then the UFO became took a new form of whatever the new technology was that governments were testing. I mean, I think that's the hypothesis that I'm hearing.
4: That's an hypothesis. So lots of hypotheses. People think they hypothesized. Because you can't run a scientific theory without a hypothesis. Because all science is hypothesis. There's actually no such thing as fact, but that's another story.
2: uh Oh, well, I I happen to agree with the the large amount of things, that, the events, sightings that you know we're referring to. Probably is exactly that. They probably are those types of situations. Not all, but but a lot. Uh, you know, and, and and as you said, you know, if you look at the triangle shaped lights and the triangle shaped vehicles that were UFOs in the 60s or the 70s, well, then you, you look at the Blackbird, a, looks the same. Get you look a at very good chance that somebody's not telling us things. Well, so, sure, of course not. And sometimes they shouldn't. I mean, you know, they're testing military technologies. Some might not work. <laughs> you know, a lot of it doesn't work. That's a problem, <laughs> right? That, that too. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I'm old enough to remember the Strategic Arms de- Initiative, um, Star Wars, as it was called. Didn't work. Scared the hell out of yeah. the Soviets, but didn't work. Yeah. So, so
4: everything keeps morphing.
2: Absolutely. But not, but not, so
4: conspiracies keep moving.
2: Absolutely, they do. And even Bigfoot does. As you mentioned, the, the, you know, Bigfoot went from being sort of a ape man or, or hairy man, sort of a beast man, maybe a memory of a, you know, Neanderthal or, or, you know, or, or a species. Species is the wrong scientific word, but I'll just use species of hominin, you know, not identified yet. Then they went to gentle, Uh, like you said basically vegetarians which which those two things are not mutually exclusive and now the the new thing is that bigfoots come from other dimensions and they're high tech you know they're high technology uh you know uh, visitors from other planets or other dimensions or other times uh and i guess those things are not mutually exclusive either that one seems to be the most far-fetched but i guess that's probably because of my human prejudice that the more hair you are, probably the more primitive you are, which really has nothing to do with it at all. It's about you know what what how you survive in your environment, your natural environment. So hairiness should not equal you know primitive. Um, but anyway, I don't I I don't want to get into a speech because nobody's listening to the show to hear me talk. They're they're here to listen to you. After I talk, they might not want to be here to listen to me either. But it won't stop me.
4: Good. So, we have these evolutions, the theories, as you said, from hairy bigfoot defending its territory against randy and Andy pissing on it, and copying a bit of a look every now and again, to the sweet-natured vegetarian liver in the forest who brings us joy. Actually, we were discussing something earlier, and we can't do it on television. Oh, sorry, in audio. I was showing you a graph I created in 1990, 89, 90, It showed all these spiral, all these sine waves running across a mass of dots. What triggered my interest in that because I was already collecting and databasing data and there were no computers around for me to play with in the 70s. Not for me. And so I used to, while I was reading my books, I had All these old printers' block type, what would one call them? They're for putting block print in if you're doing printing on a press. Okay. A lot of people won't understand. All the letters had their own little section. Right. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And I had a big set of them I'd found in a garbage heap somewhere.
2: Like an old Guggenheim Press. press.
4: Yeah. And these were the block holders. But what they were beautiful for was as I was writing, reading my books by Shuru, Thomas, Wilkins, Colosimo, all the rest of Uncle Tom Cobbler, a lot. I would write down the name of it and what happened. And it would go into A or B or Z or Y. And I just continue writing. I'd have stacks of things stacking up on each one. And then you grab the pile and you have a look through and you suddenly realize that. This happened in 1897 and 1903. This happened in the same spot only because we're collating data, much the same as a standard computer would do many years later. We're talking late 60s, early 70s in a backwater in Australia. So I thought I was pretty good at even sorting those things out. And the thing that got me really interested is I don't like mysteries. I don't like things without explanations even if we had to alter our way of looking at it or readjusting how we are going to investigate the phenomena and possibly even change from mathematics or the physics in regard to it. We had to allow for the hypothesis to continue expanding because all science
5: is, is hypothesis testing. Right. So what? What's weird, is all these things that are going on. And you know, my brain's whirring away, running
4: on things, looking at data, processing data, going through your data, thousands and thousands of points of data. And I'd say, there's a high content. Yeah. Explain this question for me. I have chats with it every now and again.
5: On one side of this mountain, we've got people seeing the Virgin Mary in a tree. We're in a cave. They like trees. They
4: like caves. You figure it out. I have no idea why. But Virgin Mary's, especially the Marian ones, nice blue robes, the rest of it, love being seen in trees and
5: caves. <laughs> and that's on one side of this site, this mountain. And you know, I've got this data and it's just a few miles away. On the other side of the mountain, we've
4: got people, they new age, they're really with it. And they're meeting Orthon from Venus. Yes, Orthon, the tall blonde-haired one, he's going to give us great messages. We're going to be singing Kumbaya together. It's going to be wonderful. Pass me another lentil. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, wow, an enlightened Earth I'd hate to even think of living in. But they're seeing Orthon from Venus enough you'll find his name mentioned a few times in research and you'll find the planet UMI it gets mentioned a few times in ufology from lots of different sources as well as i said it's amazing what you pick up when you read all of it and then okay fine that's a coincidence who cares okay madonna here orthon and the white The tall, blue-eyed, blonde, with the blonde hair from Venus is here.
5: Same time. Same area. Other side of the mountain. Or the area. Somebody gets attacked by a Bigfoot. With blazing red eyes.
4: that just suddenly appeared. And they're... Ah! they're scared the crap out of
5: whoever was doing whatever they were doing. Well, over my previous parts, they're probably piddling on the roadside. Okay. What are the common participles? Not variables, participles of these three sightings. It's not the phenomena at all. The geography. Ah, that's half of it, Kimasavi. And I'm not denigrating Air Indians by using a term like that borrowed from the Lone Ranger. Right. Time and place. Time and place. People saw something
4: happening in their mind, converted what they saw into something they could culturally
5: recognize at that time. We were seeing it as groups or single individuals. Their cultural loading
4: came along and said, this is how I see this, and this is the brain doing this, not the observer. The observer the is the going, oh, shit, what's happening here? And the brain is saying, well, I'm rapidly changing this to something I can understand. Right. I can't remember the particular medical term for it, but it's a common physical thing. And it's a common mental thing.
2: Paradoilia.
4: It's like a paradoilia where we see something I've seen some wonderful relics so over the years in geology, which are pareidolia. It's where there were
2: uh, Australian statues on the cliffs
1: near where
2: I live. Oh, yeah. We all we all see those pictures. and Anybody like you or me who has a passing interest in any of these things, we're going to see the photos in certain angles. It looks like, you know, a dragon lying down or an eagle's head or or whatever it is. And so, some of them are uncanny, uh, you know, and, and argue, depending on who you're talking to, that's what we're seeing now on images on Mars. To other people, it's 100% a city and a, and a pyramid, but that's a different show. So
5: anyway, I thought to myself, all of these things, the variable, ignore the variables to stick to the
4: participles, which is time and place. And then it started suddenly meshing in my brain.
5: But time and place is the key to occurrences. Not quite sure why they were happening
4: or how they were happening, but time and space was. And I got in, a TV station got me in Australia, a science station who didn't want to interview me, but it sent me off to a scientist had won the Pasteur Prize for Physics, this is 1993. And I had thousands and thousands of data points
5: that needed to be looked at. And I said we had to run an experiment. If strange phenomena are erroneous, or figments of the
4: imagination, or schizoid delusions, which can be treated, triggered by electromagnetic
5: fields, there will be no patterning. No pattern will be formed because they're purely random. He liked that posture I said, but if there is patterning, then we have a
4: whole totally different way of looking at the universe and possibly the multiverse. So he decided, yes, we'll do this. So every night after work, I'd drive down the coast and I'd spend five hours Entering into this little computer with a CGA screen. This is 1994, remember? My phone's smarter than it. You know, I think the TV is smarter than it.
1: Right, <laughs> right.
4: And it took four months to enter the thousands of points into latitude and longitude points. And the first time he turned it on, he actually pr- produced a picture of these sine curves swooping down the screen, which was the time constant. The land constant was from minus 180, double zero to plus 80, 180, the entire surface of the Earth, including the two zeros for the middle, which most people forget about.
5: But these lines were happily curving like sine waves. The foot. My God, you've got it. He couldn't work out how to do it and he did graphs, lovely graphs, simple graphs of curves and sine waves.
4: Big ones, one from 515 year period. What he did was he reversed all my data from my test period, which was 1800 to 1977. I wanted a decent test system. Mm-hmm. So everything phenomenal that occurred on Earth, 1877 was in it. Then he reversed it, so it flattened out any curves. It basically flattened them out. So you had a better depiction of what real curves in time would be for right. these phenomena right. to test them to make sure they're periodic. They produced <clears> five <throat> patterns. And those patterns, one was the same as a proposed trans-Plutonian planet of 515 years, which was 515 astronomical units from the Earth, an
5: astronomical unit being a distance from the Earth to the Sun. And then it went down to a Plutonian one that was very similar in time
4: to the period of Pluto and then Euro- Neptune and then Uranus and then Saturn. We thought this is impossible. What is all this data that's supposed to be figments of the imagination of non-existent things? Got to do with the periodicity of, of the trans planets.
2: That's a good question. And that is my question. What, uh, what is the correspondence?
4: But each planet being a magneto, and a magneto is purely a metal core, a metal core with another metal core wrapped around it, revolving. Which is a planet, or a star, or a sun—your little star, anyway—creates an electromagnetic field. You get the right conjunction of magnetic fields, you create harmonics. We couldn't go lower than Jupiter because it was too much fuzz. If we had modern computer technology, we could work out how to do it. So eventually, you could work out where on Earth these conjunctions and their smaller forms
2: are working. Is that because Jupiter is so, so big that the harmonics it puts out were too... too... No, just crappy computer. Oh, okay. It was two ops. This is 1994. This thing's
5: about this equivalent to a Commodore 64, which your grandfather would have told you about.
2: No, no, I, we, we ha- I had a Commodore 64. I'm, I'm with... They
4: were smart. Yeah. But you try amassing, analyzing thousands of data points with one,
2: <laughs> you know, I, I play Castle Wolfenstein on it, so. <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah. I used to write programs on it. Oh, there you go. But I little programs. If we could find somebody who could run a computer system to analyze the data, and create the music of the spheres, as I'd prefer to call it. I actually set them to music once years ago, and I lost the. My computer ate the data and the music, which really pissed me off because I couldn't recreated which is annoying but it's the joy of ufology and demonology and everything else computers eat things or it's just the joy of computers which i love and hate well we are sort of stockholm syndrome really
5: and (laughs) that's just one thing these events occurring where these harmonics occur
4: I, for years, thought it where a Kerwin is a there's a quasar vacuum. And people are going to say, oh, God, what are you talking about now? It's only quantum
5: physics. Do not be afraid. Come closer, children. At its simplest, there are five states of matter. Excuse me.
4: Yes, solid. It's barely vibrating. It's barely doing anything. It just sits there. You hit it, you hurt your hand. Liquid, yes, we learnt this in school. What are you talking about? Yes, that's a solid that's moving more. It's vibrating more. It's little electrons. They're really racing along. Gas. Yes, yay, yay. They're really firing away. These little neutrons are spinning and the protons are
5: spinning and the electrons are going berserk. And then there's plasma. They say, what? Hey, what the heck are you talking about? Plasma, amazing. It's not just the stuff in your blood. It's the stuff at the center of a nuclear explosion. It's a gaseous plasma. Moving at such a speed,
4: it is breaking. It's electromagnetic bonding, and the electrons are freeing themselves from the nucleic, nucleic center.
5: If you could do that fast enough, as we postulate, you would end up a thing called the quasar vacuum,
4: where they are vibrating so fast they're going into another dimension. My God, there's a hell of a lot of heat involved. It would help explain Schrodinger's cat, it's there and it's here, because it's moved through there. But what if that free matter can be used? The funny thing about experimenting in quasar physics is, if you believe in the straight line theory, and you can look it up on Google, straight line theory of atomic structure, your
5: experiments will validate your hypothesis. If you believe in the curved line theory, your experiments
4: will validate your hypothesis. They both win. And so it makes quasar
5: physics a little strange at times. But what if using harmonics, Instead of heat, we go through our dimensions. We still break up the atom. We still break up its core. But what happens is,
4: it is such a loose state of matter. But the observer on this side of that wormhole or gap or whatever you want to call it, creation hole more so than a wormhole when you get down to that, is creating the phenomena
5: in their own image. What? Now let's get to conspiracy theories again. What if others from elsewhere, far more apparently advanced than us,
4: realise that it is the best camouflage you can find? You don't have to be a grey, I do a lot like to be, or a strange aerial monster. You can be whatever the witness thinks you are or recreates you. As you are. And then when they talk about it to everyone else, you're an idiot. We're not going to believe you. That doesn't exist. Would that be perfect camouflage?
2: Sure would. Or am I
4: going to send everyone paranoid?
2: Everyone's already paranoid, don't worry about it.
4: Yeah, they are already anyway.
2: So that's just something that's kept wandering along. So so we had Professor Robert Temple on um And so he introduced us to the concept of plasma as being different than, you know, what what you use to, you know, when you're on a blood as part of your blood is part of, you know, basically dark matter is, is, is plasma. Uh, and he has a a theory on that uh, everything with plasma has an intelligence and an organizational structure to it as well. Um, but people can listen to that show if they want to hear more about that. Uh, and I'm not even going to ask you if 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 that concept of plasma, you know, fits with yours. it doesn't matter because uh, that my I then I would lose my question, which is: is the fifth state of matter this harmonics? What what its effect is on on space? Is that the fifth state of matter? Yes. Okay, and and just for a placeholder, what what would the what. If there is a word that people use for, what's the word? Or if there isn't one, give us one.
4: I call it the quasar vacuum, but it's because it was somebody else's term and described it perfectly, but now I'm changing it. That quasar vacuum involved heat. I don't believe it involves heat. We can't destroy the observer. Otherwise, what's
2: the point of the occurrence? Well, we could call when it the... occurrence that's unobserved is Schrodinger's
4: observer. Schrodinger's occurrence. You know? <laughs> we can't validate it's there or not.
2: Well well you're if, starting: If you're going to start a theory, you you get you name it after yourself, or at
0: least your wife. <laughs> Where there's outdoor work to be done, there's Echo Outdoor Power Equipment. Echo products deliver the reliability, quality, and performance you need to tackle everything on your outdoor to-do list. From chainsaws and string trimmers to leaf blowers and edgers, Echo's full range of pro-grade outdoor power tools are built to meet the demands of outdoor work. Visit us today, your local Echo dealer. Learn more at echo-usa.com. Echo. Power on and on. Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof, not how you
3: would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA, get a quote today.
2: I mean, you called oh, the, you you call the, call the Mitrovic phenomenon or something. The Mitrovic principle. Right, the Mitrovic principle. That, yeah. Uh, the
4: Mitrovic principle, I thought of calling it that.
2: Well, let's go with that. So the Mitrovic principle, or the, Mitru, the Mitrovic state—I mean, that—that that would be—it's five states of matter. So there it is, the Mitrovic state. Um, How would they want to be in a Mitrovic state? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I'm not sure yet. It, it sounds like it's safer than than the uh, being in the plasma state that that would uh, burn burn you up, you know, uh, incineration style. Uh, the Mitrovic state, uh, you know, seems to at least have that that tunnel effect where. You can go through the tunnel. I, hopefully it's two ways, not one way. There's not even a tunnel. Because there's no distance. No, it's just, it's it's just a portal. no change.
4: No time, no space. We've managed to get past all of it. Who's going to waste resources? Speaking as a capitalist, speaking economically. If you're going to build a structure or have a project, you need people to pay for it. It doesn't right. matter whether you're on Andromeda or where. There has to be a form of payment to construct something, to at least reward whoever's building it, providing the materials for it. Now, are we going to waste all our time building some little aircraft that'll go take us to Andromeda or wherever over the next 5,000 billion years? And if we go to the right harmonic, the right harmonic junction, and we start mapping, it's going to take a bit of exploring. Remember Vasco da Gama's voyages weren't. They would have been scared. I was going to say shitless, but not allowed to swear on this program.
2: Well, you, you are allowed to swear on this program.
4: Yeah, but I don't want to be too rude. I get lazy. Okay,
1: that's
2: and
4: fine. Swearing is a, a crutch for a verbal
2: cripple. Shit's PG close enough. It's all right. And Madam just told me to stop it. Okay. So, well, well. I, I, I don't argue with it. No, no, I and, agree. I, I'm overruled. Yes.
4: Every new exploration is going to be dangerous. It's going to be daring. It's going to be difficult. And my God, it's going to be rewarding. Imagine being the first people to travel to multiverse to get to the
2: other side that's been
4: coming to you.
2: That'd be something. Now, so let me see if I understand correctly. You have tracked and charted it, basically mapped the events and events, they corresponded to certain times and places enough that you could find a pattern. Uh, when the pattern gets pulled, pulled further in time, as time always does, it flattens things out. That's Einstein and probably others. Um, and, and from that, I guess the hypothesis, the Mitrovic hypothesis is that, uh, that at these intersections, these events, they are as people interpret them. So some people interpret them as the Virgin Mary. Others interpret them as like valiant Thor or, or orphan. Uh, others interpret it as a Bigfoot. Others interpret it as some sort of uh, UFO or other type. But it's your brain processes it in the way that you're preconceived to see it. But the the one thing that's not changing is the time, place. Uh, yeah, the time and place the, those vertices uh, So whatever the phenomena is it, it has to do with with the harmonics and it and it maps Also closely to harmonics of planets in our solar system Yes Okay What is the significance of the planets in the solar system? Is it just so that we can read when the time is because of the harmonics or is there something Else, about I mean, you're not suggesting that anybody's coming from those plants. It's just the that harmonic signature is is a marker. It's like a roadmap.
4: They're like uh, they're like roadmaps to vibration rates. One day we might even be able to use the vibration rates of stars. Actually, the theories are that you can one day lock into Alpha Centauri or Betelgeuse or whatever because each has its own frequency, so you don't lose it.
2: So there. it's fingerprints, and to steal from, fingerprints. And, and to steal from someone else, fingerprints of the gods, perhaps. Yes, thank you, Graham. Um, yes, exactly. Yeah,
4: yeah, I had an argument with him recently. We don't do it personally. Well, in his latest documentary, which I enjoyed, but I, my published years ago, a multitude of comets and meteors that hit the Earth at the end of the Younger Dryas. At Ten thousand nine hundred BC, and I write do my books with maps in them. Makes me a bit dearer, but you look down, you suddenly realise, holy remember God, this is a meteor storm, not just some crappy single meteorite. But and right. maybe for another subject or another discussion, because as you know, you're probably starting to get aware that I do cover a multitude of things.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, this is already broader in scope. I, I'm. Pleased with myself that I've been able to follow this far, to be frank. Um oh, you're doing great. I just hope the your
4: listening audiences. I trust them. Have been them. able to follow this far because it's they're not easy concepts until you suddenly realise they're easy.
2: Well, if if they're not, they have about a hundred and ten of your books to read. That, that you know, and and as you told me in the pre-production, yes, you've written a lot of books that were. 700 to 1400 pages long but you have learned to shorten the books and you have a whole lot of books more recently that are more in the 150 page range which is very digestible um so i'd like to bring it back to terra firma a little bit uh and get back to the bigfoots or similar or maybe not similar but bigfoots and other cryptids and I guess you can sort of take like your favorite it doesn't matter the number, your favorite five, where they're from and what you think that they actually are, if they are uh visitations or images at these these mapping points, um, or if there's if there might be something else.
4: I've written books on like
2: and sea monsters.
4: And the reason we don't see many of them anymore is because there are only five people on a supercarrier. If that, the computer does the rest, and no one's actually out on deck looking.
2: Yeah, that's why they kept getting hijacked. Yes. And that's
4: why they don't see things that are still floating and swimming around them. Yeah. But the funny thing is, the universal theme is like the Bigfoots. is you rarely see one killed by anyone, or dragged up in a big net. Does happen every now and again, more so than Bigfoots. But are they real they're probably more real than interdimensional. Just it's a big ocean. right But I like them, they're cute, they're reliable. The funny thing though, like okay, let's just pick a simple example. 1878, I think. Loch Ness, to use one that people may have heard one, heard
5: of. There are about twenty sightings that year of the monster the beast of a loch. Well, we all know what Messi looks like. It's a plesiosaur. Yes, children, you win. Uh, no. Every description was different. plesiosaur giant slug. I like the giant slug one. A giant amphibian, a big toad, a long-necked plesiosaur Okay, you get one. Once again, the observer was Interpreting the occurrence. We can't get away from the observer. They're the ones who are reporting it. Right. So I was starting to find that these monsters, which no one manages
4: to catch, like the Bigfoot, which no one manages to catch or at least shoot very
5: often, considering the number of people observing, hunting and shooting and looking, are they also interdimensional splashdowns are they intentional or are they holy
4: my very god i've gone into a wormhole i've slipped and i'm in this big bloody lake (laughs) it's not a silly theory things can move on their own think of people who've reported moving through time one moment they're in the power the garden of versailles tourists next minute they're talking to a 18th century gardener in the correct gear Wondering what they're doing there, because he can barely understand them because their dialect of French has not evolved yet
2: right and it and it gets interpreted as a ghost
4: yes, and vice versa, the guard is seeing ghosts as well,
2: right, but the, but they might be seeing something you know they might look at the technology and think that they saw i don't know an angel or or yes. uh, or 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 a an alien from the future, you know, from another planet. Or time for another cognac. <laughs> well, there's always time for another cognac. But...
4: <sighs> Sorry, my computer was trying to talk to me. I heard, hey,
2: Your computer likes cognac.
4: <laughs> yes. I wasn't giving it another one. I don't know why it starts on its own. But every now and again she likes to talk to
5: me. It's the because car's
2: got the same problem now. It's because last time you gave, you gave her brandy instead of cognac and she knew the difference. Of course.
4: She yeah. knows a good Hennessy from a cheap one.
2: There you go. Exactly right. All right. So, monsters. Yeah. How monsters. many monsters are there actually? Types. Okay.
4: I always put Dog Man in with Bigfoot. Yes, you'll howl me down. I understand that. I love that pun. But we're talking a thing with two legs with lots of hair. Okay. I'll classify that as generic. Bigfoot, please customize as you wish. Then there's
5: things in the water. That's a water or sea monster. Okay. Oh, and my other favorite, Big Bird. No, not for giant yellow thing. Oh, okay. It's. it's I like him. Sesame Street. Love Big sure, Bird. of course. No. I'm talking more like the Gargoyles of
1: Louisiana. Do tell. The giant birds seen elsewhere, for, or one of
5: our favorites, sort of big birds. And who can forget Mothman? Of should course. should be called a moth person now. Either way Just works. Mothman. Hmm. the Mothman. There were great Mothman sightings from 1967
4: 67 to 1968. Now, 1967, until
5: shortly after the collapse of the Silver Bridge. On Christmas Eve, correct me if I'm wrong,
4: 1967, if I remember rightly, sightings actually go back much further to this large hominoid creature, or hu- almost humanoid, Some say not humanoid, but anyway, it's got two legs, it's got big arms, it's got blazing red eyes, it's almost an aerial Bigfoot. Right. Funny about eye thing, isn't it? Anyway. The Erector said, it's amazing what you can build. But 66, 67, it was everywhere around Point Pleasant. And damned if I can never remember the name of a town on the other side of the river that the Silver Bridge led to, But memories are like that. Indeed. So that's one of my favourites, you know, the old TNT proving ground where mysterious American military work was done during the Second World War what was happening there what's the secret of the tnt ground please continue for
5: 87 more episodes funny thing about episodes another thing about data which i find fascinating you go through books and books and books and books and books and you'll find hang on almost all of them are the same data yeah they've all borrowed
4: it from each other and suddenly you find. A great thing it's been created out of three points, this little sort of thing. But it was repeated so many times it must be ongoing and ever present. I won't mention the particular Midwestern phenomenon that T V stations, T V series are made of. That's actually a readaptation of a very prominent Amerindian legend or series of legends and mythologies that's currently airplaying. If I haven't found enough data on it. People ask me about it and I say, sorry, I've only seen a couple of written reports somewhere. I can't even remember now. It'll be in my books. Uh, sorry, there's not enough for me to invalidate a hypothesis or validate a hippopotamus. <laughs> You've got to watch data because it can cheat you and confuse you and people lie and people make up stuff. I got one from Bishopstown Bishoptown, South Carolina, nineteen eighty eight. During the great um, reptilian sightings eighty seven, eighty eight around Bishoptown in Lee County, South Carolina. A reptilian Bigfoot. Except there were some hairy Bigfoot ones mixed in with it, so you know, work that one out. Right. This was a reptilian. And the best one was a young Air Force man. He crashes into it. He shoots it with his gun. He gets skin samples of it and blood and he goes to the police with it. They'd already been, they'd already been observing and checking and searching and looking for this thing just as a public use or a public health thing because it was attacking cars, it was doing things, It was. it needed to be under control. And CNN was already there reporting on it. So there was a, a media shambles with people wandering around the hills with shotguns looking for it. I had no idea how many cows were shot and killed. Yeah,
2: what's Except
4: with,
5: what's with made cal- it
4: all
2: up. What's with cow mutilations and, and, and UFOs? Why? Why would there be cow mutilations tied to UFOs or Bigfoots or anything other than? Uh, you know, vampiric wolves.
4: Well, I call it the intergalactic butcher. The intergalactic butcher shop obviously has a taste for cow meat and dog meat because they like eating dogs, apparently, or disemboweling them. Dogs especially just disappear after being disemboweled or beaten to death. Cows, yes, we take internal organs only. We drain the blood. We take the brain and... When we see it
3: going
4: <laughs> off into the multiverse again, that's where people seem with aliens in white coats standing around it under bright lights. Or oh, one of my favorites,
5: 1897, because April 16th or 17th, oh, Senator, what's his name on his property in Ohio. No, too hard going through 1897
4: on that.
2: Yeah, don't me he in saw Channel his or, uh... cow
4: being lifted into the air by a rope, but he couldn't rescue it.
5: This is 1897. Right. This isn't the 1950s, 60s in North America. This isn't the Midwest. And, uh, are these stories evolved? Are
4: they created? Or as Jung would have said, are they part of an or
5: memory come to life? And I'm not sure I want to discuss that much of you read his books, been there, done that. I don't know why. It might be to say, I like the taste of it. So it's a, so it's a delicacy.
4: It's a delicacy, a pretty expensive way of doing it if you're travelling across the multiverse. Yeah. But I suppose if you've already... That's another thing. Another thing. Basically, UFOs 101 for the year 2023. Everyone thinks of a UFO or UAP, apart from the tic tac, as a circular thing with a dome. That's how we always know it. Right. It's a circular thing with a dome on it. Either a long one or a short one. Doesn't matter, it's a circular thing with a dome. But it was for years and we were safe with that analogy. It was good enough for Steve Arnold, it was good enough for us in nineteen forty seven. I did a podcast recently on 1947. It was four episodes of an hour each. And I think there were seven UFO crashes in New Mexico and Arizona. I I repeat them. I tell you
5: about them, but you work out what to do with them. I'm just working on what observers give, what observers state. And I wish I could just remember what I was about to say. Uh, you go through
4: UFOs. And every single shape under the sun. Now, once again, let's get back to economics. It's too expensive to produce a customized spaceship every time you want to go somewhere, but especially interstellar distances without a quasar vacuum or anything, but you have a quasar vacuum or a harmonic vacuum or harmonic Dmitrovich hypothesis there you that go. you discussed earlier. That's right the opening between dimensions. Come here now, see, platform two and a half, two and three quarters does exist, and it's leaving now. You can have any size, shade, ship you want. It doesn't have to be airtight, it doesn't have to be airproof. You can modify it, put big fins on it, double, umbrella, double propellers, you name it. And you can go to Earth. The funny thing about some of them is they still haven't learned out to drive. You know, I get, I've i got reports of UFOs going through billboards of almost colliding with trains and things but I suppose if you're darting out of a dimension <laughs> you've only got a very brief time to suddenly realise oh crap I'm about to hit something and then hit the anchors or go into another warp drive
5: Well
2: sure we we all learned that in Star Wars with the Millennium Falcon and any X-Men fan knows that Nightcrawler was very uh, loath to teleport places that he couldn't see with his eyes, because uh, he might end up inside and a building. When we learned to drive a car. <laughs> that, that's true. You know, it's it's interesting what you were saying. You were saying that you wouldn't do that, that you wouldn't just take this very expensive piece of equipment and, and, you know, and be haphazard with it. And I was listening to a podcast the other day. I can't remember which podcast its It doesn't matter. Because they were sort of making the same point about all these things crashing that, you know, and they're being left there for you know the the military or whomever to scoop up and research and whatever. And they're saying that's not, not going to happen. They're they're not Chevy Novas or something. Uh, and I'm like, wait a minute, maybe they they are like Chevy Novas to those folks. If they're ten thousand years ahead of us, maybe these ships are the Chevy Novas. Maybe these are the adolescents who are learning how to drive and do things. You know, I, I mean, if. If you drove a Chevy Nova 300 years ago, somebody would think that you were Merlin the magician, some sort of king, or at least a monster to be slain, and you wouldn't know what to do with it. You know, and and no one would, and and someone might say, pfft. Uh, uh it, it's not like that's a house cat that you're doing, but but you know it, it it's as fungible. You know, you know a you know a, a 1980 Chevy Nova right now is worth you know nothing. The, our phones are worth more than a, than a Chevy Nova. So 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 maybe they are like Chevy Novas to to whoever these visitors are or accidental tourists or or whatever it actually is. Listen, this is an absolute hypothesis based on nothing. It's not even a a hypothesis I'm putting out as being true. I'm just throwing it out there because when you said it, it it immediately clicked onto what the the other gentlemen were talking about and saying, "Well, not just Chevy Novas." I'm like, "Well, how do you know?" But you know, when Chevy Novas came out, nobody was saying it's just a Chevy Nova. They're like, "Cool new car!" You know, it was probably the most expensive uh, thing they bought besides their house. Yeah. So now a Chevy Nova, oh, it's a Chevy Nova, but uh, you can buy a bicycle for more now. But you know, uh, but it, it, you know, the the Chevy Nova 1980 might be the equivalent of you know getting a ride on on space blue to to the you know the edge of the ionosphere or whatever. Anyway, so ends my little rant. No, it's not a rant at all. It's a valid theory as far as I can say. You can learn how to fly for things. Yeah. It
4: might be. Earth's an easy destination. you just got to to aim for the solar system, bounce off Jupiter, and you're there. Have a look around, try some of the local meat, meet the locals.
2: You're a bomb will do it. Doesn't need much modification. Right, and if you happen to look like an angel or... Lilith or whatever you know they, they've already been prewired to think that you are the uh, sons of God mating with the daughters of Adam or that you're Zeus or you're a succubus or incubus or you know whatever every now and then they'll think that you're, you're a demon and you can just you know find a more willing you know or they might think you're a vampire you know, you know whatever it is but uh,
4: it's a multiverse anything's possible you might be lucky enough to get a church named after you or a, or a temple or who knows? And basically you're just coming for
2: a visit. That's right. I I, I sort of I sort of like to say, respect for Chevy Nova and your mum's not going to be happy. That that's right. I, I'm trying to figure out a way to to name this show something with Chevy Nova, but it won't work. Um anyway, that that is not the thing is
4: the one constant in my research and one thing that
2: and it's a feature
4: I if there's something that's a determining factor of me knowing That a report is correct, that a knowing that a report is a real one is the absurdity factor.
0: Where there's outdoor work to be done, there's Echo Outdoor Power Equipment. Echo products deliver the reliability, quality, and performance you need to tackle everything on your outdoor to-do list. From chainsaws and string trimmers to leaf blowers and edgers, Echo's full range of pro-grade outdoor power tools are built to meet the demands of outdoor work. Visit us today, your local Echo dealer. Learn more at echo-usa.com. Echo. Power on. And on. 25? Did you hear you could save up to 25% off grocery store prices at BJ's Wholesale Club? Did
3: you say save up to 25% at BJ's? Yeah, save up to 25% at
4: BJ's.
3: Whoa, that's like saving up to one-fourth of... Ugh, that's gonna leave a mark.
0: BJ's. Absurdly simple savings. Shop today. Not a member? Go to bj's.com slash simple savings. The more
2: absurd... too absurd to be invented. Right. Yeah, we got a winner. Right, truth the is stranger than fiction. It's Oz Factor,
4: if I remember rightly.
2: Are there any phenomena that you have tracked that don't meet with this pattern that isn't explained by this hypothesis? Yet you but, still believe? No, the answer is no. The, the, uh, so, so there's no, well, oral, hi- un- there's no hippogriffs. It, I'm sorry. Some primitive archaeology, for the time mm. being.
4: A lot, most of the South Central American civilizations used to move their major temples every 56 years and rebuild. Turn to a new spot, rebuild it, sacrifice a few thousand people, dedicate it. Every 56 years was part of the periodic. Oh, what do they call it again? The legends went every 56 years when Venus moves back to it, I think it's the perihelion of Venus. Moves back to his position, especially in the Aztec or Nahua Empire or Mexica Empire, depending on what we want to call it. They would extinguish every fire in the kingdom, they would wait for Venus to rise the following morning. Because if Venus doesn't rise, that's the end of the earth, and then they would turn, they would sacrifice people on night, appeasing Venus to come back. And it was every 56 years. And they dedicated a new temple for it. The Maya did the same thing. That's probably why we're finding so many thousands of cities by LIDAR now. I mean, they were builders. You look at the latest LIDAR listings, there are cities being built all over the place. Go back to my original Mitrovic hypothesis.
5: If these areas move, and they do, and I want power, whether it's for magic, or just power itself or healing, we have to
4: keep moving it with it. Because we've got to keep our point at the top of the pyramid. And I'm not being a pun when I say this because, oddly enough, in
5: Europe, points of healing used to move. The Asclepians believed they moved because the energy of the gods kept moving
4: imagine if we can we were discussing at the beginning of the program that you can change matter you can change things unconsciously as your brain wants to camouflage it for you, imagine you move into a point like this where you know what you're wishing, you know what you're designing, you know what you're creating imagine what you could do for people with cancer or major illnesses we're talking about where the ancients wrote their great pentacles in the ground, where the great healers did their work and quite often worked. Is this all absurd theory? It could be,
5: but imagine the power that could be used in it. I mean, I should say energy or material manipulation.
4: Sure. And try not to put a, a political context onto this or a religio political context. Cause that's one of the things that the modern religions hate the fact that they had to destroy all these sacred sites. Some were still slightly functioning and others forget it. As I always say, you can sit in the, the main chamber of Cheops and nothing's going to happen apart from terminal boredom.
2: Yeah. That, that's, a, I it's mean, it's gone. Well, you can't always take politics out of things. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to do old politics so that it doesn't really offend anyone. If it does, they're, they're, they're looking for a reason to be offended. But when I first, the first several times that I read or heard the Norse Edda, I'm like, these are silly. These are silly little stories. And and then somebody said to me, no, dummy, they're not silly little stories. The author turned them into silly little stories because it was it, it was christian europe then and if they made them seem godlike and powerful he would have been burned or or you know or thrown in prison or, or whatever if, right something very unpleasant so he so they wrote them to be silly little stories to, so that the the old traditions weren't forgotten but if you take the oral history and then put them with the source you you, you realize that there was self-censorship for for self-preservation um I had a question for you on. So, uh, when we're talking about the states of matter, when, you know, when, when I went to school K through 12, whatever, we had three states of matter. That was it, liquid, solid, gas. And, you know, basically you could convert most of the three states of matter into the other states of matter. I think that there were some outliers and I'm sure that there still are and whatever. But the, these other two states of matter, plasma and the Mitrovic state, can, can they be converted to solid, liquid, uh, or gas as well? Can, can you convert those states? Can you convert plasma into the Mitrovic principle? Can you convert the Mitrovic state into plasma or into an ice cube or, you know, a solid?
4: That's a bloody good
2: question. I don't
4: have an answer for it. I've only ever gone one way with it, and I've always melted my ice cube instead of seeing what would happen if I freeze it again. But I don't know the origin of the ice cube.
5: Okay. I mean, if there is an origin of the ice cube. Now,
1: I like that concept.
4: So are you saying we need to find a philosopher's stone that's the actual ice cube to melt it?
2: I was sort of hoping you were that philosopher's stone, but it's, it's okay. that this, this Well, is... the
4: individual could be the philosopher. The individual itself could be the philosopher's stone when it meets this harmonic intersection. Because they're the ones
5: doing the creation. But they'd have Even to... Fu- though, that's right there may be others from the other side doing their
4: manipulation as well or using it as camouflage. The gods, the demons and all, please insert name of deity or group of deities. Please
2: insert religious principle here, atheistic principle here, militaristic principle here. But the key to the multiverse is... This harmonics, this resonance, harmonics, this, yes. everything is
4: harmonics, everything moves as harmonics, That's the first I got into an argument a while well, maybe I didn't get into an argument about a few people who didn't like me, and I don't care, They will be quick. I don't believe in the big bang, oh no, heaven forbid, I'm a luddite, no, in the beginning. Apparently, it was all solid matter. We're talking the beginning, the beginning of everything started off as solid matter until the first subatomic particle moved. How it moved? No idea. Why it moved? No idea. But it moved because without that
5: movement, there is no recording of distance or time. Because there is no movement. And that was the evolution of everything.
4: We're all part of one gigantic chemical reaction.
2: Yes, I I spoke to a guest on one of my shows. He, he, he was uh, edu- yeah, a good guest. No, he was terrific. He uh, he uh, was educated by Maya shaman, and he said to me, "There's no such time, thing as time. All time is is measurement of movement," and that blew my mind. And so with the Big Bang theory. You know, which, by the way, isn't all that different than in the beginning there was a word. Um, But, you know, someone else was talking about another show. I I wish I could remember who I, maybe it was one of my guests, but that before the Big Bang, if there was a Big Bang, before there was a word, there was, not only was there nothing, but there was no time because there was no movement, which is, it's hard enough to... You, I can't conceive of the Big Bang Theory. I can't think of infinity, and I certainly can't think of so much nothing that there's not even
0: time.
4: <laughs> well, time, as I said, is just a it's fair to record movement.
0: Yeah.
2: Without yeah.
4: movement, there is no time.
2: Yeah, you, that's exactly so what you said. basically
4: right? we have a nil state of
2: everything, and then it's pointless to look at time and movement because there isn't any. But, but it makes, it makes the pyramids and, and the circles and so many of the structures make perfect sense once you realize that they're measuring movement to measure, to measure seasons and migrations and whatever and planting and harvesting and when the buffalo are coming back, whatever it is. When the Pleiades rise, when the
4: Pleiades set, which is harvesting time and harvesting plant and harvest planting in the Northern Hemisphere. Right. You know, they needed the stars, the clock of the stars.
2: Right, The same reason that the mariner need, needs the sextant.
4: Yeah, and the north star, it always helps. Right. <laughs> and don't forget the uh, Nordic crystal that showed north. Right, yeah. But, but it was that's... foggy. Right. Which people have actually discovered samples of these days, which is
2: regarded as myth. Right. People, yeah, people have, have been very creative. But yeah, there were quartz works, you know, hundreds, thousands of years ago, and, and mm. you know, some was pre-Diluvian. It all depends on which deluge. That's the, the most recent one. Yeah, right. I mean, I'm being very now-centric.
1: <sighs>
2: That's fine. Yeah. No, we could talk about the pre-Diluvian, post-Diluvian, and which diluvian. Because I, 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 there have I, been so many of them. I, I, I feel like that is something that we should absolutely talk about. Um, it's been 80 minutes. I don't know how much more you want I to go think on I've this. Had enough. Okay. Uh, that is fair, but you're willing to come back another time? Yes. Excellent. I'd love to have you back.
4: Sorry for hesitating.
2: No, you didn't hesitate. Your your cadence remained <laughs> the same. Now, now you're making me think. Uh, so that'll be terrific. Um, and we'll we'll figure that out, and you know, hopefully it'll be a recurring thing. And uh, you know, maybe next time I'll be smarter. <laughs> read my books. I read the preces
4: of my books. I, I Actually, will. Yeah, because you know, last Sunday I was talking about archaeology of North America, and. Times before I was ren- renowned basically as the authority on the Great Cataclysm of ten thousand nine hundred
2: BC. Yes, that that is, I absolutely want to talk about the Great Cataclysm. I absolutely want to talk about the giants before and after uh, the the flood, and your take on the the Teppies.
4: The Teppies, hey, yeah, they're actually finding older than the Teppies now, Chaba in the Gulf in the Gulf of. China. In Chabay in Ethiopia, there are a procession of carving in a collapsed cave of cattle heading into the cave, very nicely carved. A shame they're 80,000
2: years old. Yes, I I, I just saw something about that. (laughs) And I also saw something about two things. There there was something about something in Greece that was like 73,000 years old, uh, and then something else that was 80,000 years old. I think it was somewhere in the Americas.
4: Dating is such an interesting thing. And we might just continue for a minute or two. Around a favorite man has only been in America, came over to Bering Strait, crossed the two-mile-thick ice mass of Alaska to go down to try and survive after coming from a frozen Bering Strait in Siberia I don't know what they ate in the meantime, but we'll leave that story as the correct one and arrived in America, ta-da! 18,000 BC in Arizona. Excuse me, where was he in the meantime? No, no, he is he? he's creating tiny little Folsom
5: blades in Arizona. Hmm. Interesting. What do we do then with the people at Huetlico
4: in Puebla State, south of Mexico City? They were hunting mammoths
5: and successfully killing them a quarter of a million years ago. Um, you know what we do with them? We say it's heresy and blasphemy because it goes against our current paradigm. Big words, aren't they?
1: Yes. Because what we have to be aware of when we're discussing new concepts, new experiments, new hypotheses
4: is... We have an enormous hegemonic oligarchy. Yes, you'll need your dictionaries. Hegemonic, H-E-G-E-M-O-N-I-C, oligarchy, O-L-I-G-A-R-C-H-Y. It runs everything from the universities down. And in a simple translation, it means, if you don't follow the theory of the school that taught you to be a professor or a teacher, with no
2: job well i, I prefer the hegemonic ar- oligarchy uh uh belief to the s- seven seven princes and ten families and then 13 houses version because that seems too small but a uh, but a uh, but an oligarchy sure can't. there's uh there's constantly uh, there's oligarchies running everything it's just, and you know if they're connected or not i'm not sure but uh uh, but they have they at least have connections to each other so
4: i've written a lot about north north america and central everywhere and somebody ah damn it it's on the other bookcase there's a little 700 page book on archaeology i wrote
5: what did i call it Yes, Amazing Archaeology. I forget the
4: name to the titles because the title's are the last thing I write. Right. You know, I usually write at the time and then I forget about it. And it's a complete list in 700 pages of all of the archaeology that nobody wanted to talk about and still doesn't want to talk about, complete with some pickies. And on the front of it, there's a picture of a gigantic rectangular block of stone. It's called the Hajar al-Hubla. It's 1600 tonnes, it's sitting in a quarry, it's still got the spine underneath it from when they were cutting out a quarry using rock tools, we understand that, built the same way as the gigantic rocks of Egypt, South America, Easter Island, same since, same principle, carve out the top and just cut it out from underneath and then finally sever the spine because you don't want to drop it, you'll crack it, it's a big bit of stone, 1600 tonnes. And it was meant to go 60 feet up in the terrace of Baalbek nearby
5: in the background. No one has ever worked out how you move it. The Romans, the world's greatest engineers, basically,
4: they had no idea how to move it. They basically said it was already there right. at the Temple of the Sun in Heliopolis, which oddly enough just looks like a great big cube. But what a wonderful design for a launching pad if you want to go into other theories. It's just a big bloody cube created out of gigantic blocks of stone. And yet, in this out-of-a-way bypost in Lebanon that wasn't even on a major trade route, the Romans built
5: their largest temple to Jupiter you've ever seen. That takes money. That takes power. And that was in the middle of nowhere.
4: This is where Baal, apparently, the Lord God, the God of
5: earthquakes, the creator and destroyer apparently came to earth to rest and then go home again. It
2: gets interesting at times. It sure does. Um, I think we've hit everything now. That, that uh, Everything. You, you, you're the walking garden of doom. Um, Thank you. Yes, no, you're welcome. Um... Wonderful. In gardens,
1: Jim. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Everyone, this is uh, make sure to follow, look up George Mitrovic. Look, uh, just Google him. He's got 110 books. The, all on a, Amazon. Yes, they're all on Amazon. You open up the Amazon page. You don't even have to Google and go to Amazon. You can go to George Mitrovic. It's M I T R O V I C. Okay, C. And You'll see them. they're all, all there um and if you're into cryptids and anything paranormal and bugfoots it's got to divide it by countries regions in some cases state by state um so it, 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 it can be your your paradise found uh you heard him also he said he's going to come back so we're going to get more and I'm not sure if I'm going to want a more focused show or if I just want more of this. I, I don't know. I haven't figured it out yet. I've got to listen back a few times and whatever it is, but I learned a lot. I heard a lot. Um, had a lot of fun. And, uh, and, you know, whenever I think too much and give myself a headache, I know I did something right. So. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for being on the show. Tell the folks if I missed anything, where they can find you or support you, and you know if there's any other way to buy the books or anything else that you want to mention.
4: Thank you, Jeff. It's been wonderful. I've enjoyed it immensely. It's given me some concepts I like, and that's what I like. I like new concepts that get me thinking, so God help all of you. And, <laughs> uh, my books are all available on Amazon e-book, paperback, and some of them are now hardback. Uh, I'm producing a range of each state of North America, including Canada, because it is part of North America, after all, children.
5: Sure.
4: We'll have their own book if there's got enough in it. And if not, well, you might have two or three little states might have to share, because there aren't huge numbers of Bigfoot everywhere. And then that'll be the last of Bigfoot for me. I've already written more than anyone else on the subject, tens of thousands of pages, and all in simple, non-academic format. I like my books to be like guideposts. I write books in archeology span as well, the stuff that nobody wants to talk about. See, you can go to your state, even find your county sometimes, and there you are. My God, I didn't know this mound was here. I didn't know giants were here.
5: You know, I want people to find knowledge. To be actively seeking knowledge, actively looking at where it was, or
4: it was where it was believed to be before it was wiped out by somebody else. Absolutely, you know, it's a constant quest, a constant enjoyment.
2: Well, I want you to put the those the the, the tracking, the the data you show me, the the waves, uh, that the, you know at the different levels of flattening and thickening, and have them done to music and see what comes up. Um, cause I, I think that would be fascinating. And like, maybe we played it for like octopus or whales or something. And, and, uh. Well,
4: yeah, it will be challenging. As you can see behind me, 7,000 pages in one set of books I finished last year. Was it this year? Oh, well, recently, this year, I think.
1: 7,000
2: pages in 22 volumes. That's a lot. All right, well, ball to you, my god! Uh, yeah, low, plenty of power there. Um, all right, great. Well, thank you so much for coming into the show. We're definitely going to see you again, folks. Check out his uh, work. I hope so. I really enjoyed it. Oh, absolutely, hundred um, percent. Yeah, we, we will we'll set it up uh, I'll, before the weekend's out. I'll reach out to you. Don't worry. Um, and uh, excellent. Yeah. So everyone, thanks for listening to the Garden of Doom. Check out his work. Buy some. Uh, and please give us a rating, a review, or a referral. I need the money. <laughs> See, it he needs costs the money. A lot to process these things. <laughs> That's right. The poor, the, the, the poor man had to eat homemade pizza. Come on, let him let him mortar some. Uh, <laughs> all right, folks. Thanks a lot for 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 this. Hope you learned something. Hope you found it interesting. And if any of you have any thoughts on it reach out. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a babe in the woods uh, as well and probably more of a babe than, than a lot of you who listen are. All right. Thanks again for being in the Garden of Doom and you'll hear from us next week.
3: Thank you. Excellent.